Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi! (laughs) Thanks for joining me for episode 120 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the witchy, wild, and free creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back at Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> And you might have noticed a funky little pause and a giggle at the top of the show here today. It's because I was shocked (laughs) that it was time for me to talk. I called in this morning, or what do you say at noon? Is it this morning or this afternoon? I called in at noon to do my show, and I accidentally called in on the guest call-in number. (laughs) I was just sitting there listening to music and grooving out, and I was like, you know, it doesn't usually play music for me, and... There's usually a countdown, and then I looked at the clock and was like, oh, my God, (laughs) my show's about to start. So I made it in the nick of time. (laughs) And this is the first show in July that is going to be on the theme of Witches Who Run With the Wolves, which is very much inspired by the book Women Who Run With the Wolves. But I'm breaking it down for men and women because – I think the lessons in this book by Clarissa Pinkole Estes, this classic, everybody loves it, who has read it book, I think it's great for men and women. It's just about, in my opinion, soul retrieval. And that's something that applies to us all. So I gave this theme in July, the kind of cheeky name, Witches Who Run With The Wolves. But I really just want to be exploring the main themes that jump out from this book at me, and I'm going to do a book nerd post every Monday sharing some of my favorite quotes from this book. I had wanted to do a book nerd post on this for a very, very, very long time, but even though the book is deceptively small looking, it is ridiculously packed with ideas and stories, and I could never figure out how to fit it into one book nerd post. So I'm going to be doing four of those. I'm going to be doing four video slash blog posts on this theme every Thursday, and I'm going to be doing these soul retrieval episodes here on Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age, all in July. I'm just going to call this series Soul Retrieval so we can differentiate because this is just going to be me more kind of rambling and talking about themes. So Soul Retrieval Part 1, it starts with intuition, and that's what I want to talk about today. The term soul retriever, can you say soul retrieval? (laughs) Yes, I can. Soul retrieval. The soul retrieval terminology is typically used in shamanism, pseudo-shamanism. Shamanism has become a very common, popular, trendy thing in the New Age community, but soul retrieval is a common practice performed in 
shamanism. And it comes often with plenty of warnings, as though calling back your very soul, the soul that you are, could somehow be dangerous. This kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't I don't like warnings like that. It always comes off to me personally, whether it's intended or not, as some kind of weird new agey marketing scheme like you need to retrieve your soul. But it's very 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 dangerous and you need the help of a shaman. Good thing for you, I'm a shaman. <laughs> I just think I don't know, there's something about that that always just like eh. It has an ick factor to me. Not always, but often. I do not believe that soul retrieval is dangerous, but it is powerful. It is a form of deep spiritual healing that involves calling back the the lost fragments of your soul, calling them back to yourself. And little pieces of ourselves do get lost along the way. If you compare who you are today to who you were as a child, you were probably a lot more soulful and carefree and playful and less concerned with what everybody thought of you and silly when you were little. And as you call back pieces of your soul, as you retrieve pieces of your soul, you start to get a little bit silly. (laughs) You start to have more fun. You start to liberate and free yourself, which I think is an interesting paradox because to me the word soul retrieval or calling your soul back into your body, it sounds like it's coming more, it's becoming more solid. It's becoming more manifest. And it is but it's also liberating and freeing. So I think that's a really interesting little, I don't know, uh, linguistic paradox there. I will say that if these fragments that you're calling back to yourself have, have been lost due to extreme trauma, like sexual abuse, physical abuse, even relentless verbal abuse when you're very young, or violence of any kind, war, for example, that you may need the help of a professional. So in that one regard, I will agree that, yes, it may be frightening for some. But for most people, soul retrieval is extremely liberating, and it usually doesn't happen all at once. It usually happens piece by piece, which is not scary, which is exciting. It's like exciting piece by exciting piece. You may have heard me talking about this kiddie pool. I can't shut up about it. I'm posting pictures of myself on Instagram in this swimming pool, not because I want you all to look at my boobs. (laughs) It's just because I, I have a swimming pool. I haven't been in a swimming pool in decades. I think that's pathetic and sad because I grew up in a swimming pool. And the first time I put on a bikini and got into this kiddie pool, I almost started crying because it felt like coming back to myself. It felt like calling back a piece of my soul. So that's what I'm really interested in talking about today, how we retrieve pieces of our soul through the physical and how our intuition expresses itself through the physical And something that I'm going to be talking more about on Thursday in Thursday's video, and there's always a blog post, FYI. If you're just watching those videos on YouTube, you're totally missing out because I spend a lot of time putting together these really kick-ass blog posts. There's usually like a visual component to it, some pictures and quotes, but also 
I'm a good writer and you should be reading those, damn it, because I take the time to write them. So Thursday, um, this is something I'm going to be talking more about, um, but how the physical is a lens and a portal for spirit. I'm going to elaborate further in that on this idea I've been exploring here about how your body is your soul's rightful home. But it's worth repeating and mentioning here too because that is what I mean by soul retrieval or calling your soul back to yourself. I'm talking about your body. I'm talking about the you that can touch and smell and hear and see and taste and feel and rock a bikini in your kiddie pool and the you that can be touched and smelled and heard, and seen, and tasted, and felt the sensual you, the you or you are meant to be right now, in the here, and now, 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 in this very moment, in the physical manifestation. In terms of shamanism, which I'm not going to get super into, so uh, I'm not a shamanistic expert. It is one of my many interests, but it's not something that I specialize in. But in terms of shamanism which is the real witchy tradition, FYI. It reaches much further back than anything like Wicca or the Golden Dawn, for example. But as far as shamanism is concerned, soul retrieval is often done to help heal either a physical or a mental illness. And it involves through drumming or chanting or some other form of astral travel it involves traveling into the inner worlds inner travel perhaps with the assistance of a trusted spirit guide or an animal totem to coerce lure welcome back a lost piece of your soul entheogenic plants are often used as well so perhaps again Maybe that's why the warning signs of danger. (laughs) People, especially modern, trendy, new age seeking people, they do sometimes tend to get carried away with these things. (laughs) I don't know if you should be doing ayahuasca every weekend with your buddies. (laughs) Um, But anyway, joking aside, sorry, I I couldn't help myself from going there. Um, But this kind of soul retrieval, it can also involve cutting cords of attachment to other people or certain memories. So if you're working with a shaman or you're just on your own exploring, you know, shamanism through books and your own personal practice at home, you may go on some kind of uh, spiritual journey into the inner world where you imagine yourself or envision yourself cutting these cords of attachment. Cord cutting is a common practice among witches as well, Um, and that involves usually physically cutting a cord or a string in a symbolic gesture, which represents cutting emotional ties. I'm a big fan of work like this. I believe that symbolic gestures are extremely powerful. They're really simple on the surface. On the surface, you know, you just, you might take I don't know, you might take two candles, for example, and you tie them together with a string. So they're like one candle represents you and one candle represents a person that you're having a hard time letting go of emotionally and you light both candles. And um, as the candles melt down, uh, you might snip the, the cord in between so that the candles then 
proceed to melt down and burn off on their own separately from each other. So first they're joined and then they're separately, something like that. I believe it's so simple on the surface. It looks like child's play. But I think things like this, they reach very, very deep down, way past where your intellect and your language can access. And that's, I believe, where you're – that's like the playing field for your soul, So don't underestimate little simple gestures like that or stories or mythology, which is what Clarissa Pinkola Estes focuses so much in Women Who Run With the Wolves. She features lots of stories, fairy tales primarily, um, and folklore in this book, which I really wasn't a fan of. I can't say I'm a big fan of it still today. I'm a pop culture junkie. I like pop culture. I like our modern stories and tales i feel like they do the same thing that these ancient folklore and fairy tales do i think they touch the same part of us that's why we have them that's why we we need them that's why the movies and tv this is big 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 business um so i'm not really a fan of like trying to decipher old you know funky language that doesn't fit the modern um ear <laughs> but i suffered through it for this book and it was totally worth it but that's another way that you can reach down deep into your soul and speak the language of your soul um there's a favorite smudging technique that i picked up from daniel laporte that i've been using it's my new favorite technique for smudging um In case you don't know what smudging is, it's typically when you light some sage and you fan it about your home with the intention of getting rid of any negative energy. That's like the quick little Cliff Notes version of what smudging is. (laughs) But you've probably seen people do it. What's interesting to me is she kind of flipped it around. So instead of getting rid of negative energy, she outlined this way of doing it to where you're calling your energy back to yourself as a kind of soul retrieval. And she has you say this little chant that is so simple. I wrote it in the big, in the um, cover, inside cover of my day planner, and it is, I call all of my power back to me now. I am whole and complete. I call all of my power back to me now. I am whole and complete. How simple is that? <laughs> Done. Um, in my ebook, which I hope you have a copy of, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, it's totally free. There is a chapter in that book called AA for Your Inner Bully. I, re- I renamed that chapter. I rewrote the ebook. I updated it so it would be appropriate for men and women. So AA for Your Inner Mean Girl is now AA for Your Inner Bully. And what AA stands for. I purposely chose AA because I think a lot of us think of recovery when we hear AA, and um, that was intentional. But what it really stands for is affirmation and action. So I believe when you put an action and affirmation together, it is far more powerful than just repeating an affirmation. So instead of saying, I call all of my power back to me now, I am whole and complete, you pair that with an action like burning some sage and fanning it about your room, and it takes it that much deeper. It starts to touch your soul. It allows your soul to communicate. Um, And the story that kind of goes with today's episode from Women Who Run With the Wolves is the story of Vasilisa and Baba Yaga, the wild hag. 
And in this story, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say Vasilisa out loud. I'm assuming I'm saying it right. Vasilisa. Vasilisa. I'm going to say Vasilisa. V-A-S-A-L-I-S-A. So chapter three is nosing out the facts, the retrieval of intuition as initiation. And it starts with a story called The Doll in Her Pocket, Vasilisa the Wise. I've also heard um, or read, I should say, Vasilisa the Beautiful. But this is an old folk tale about a little girl who ends up in a kind of Cinderella-esque situation. Her mother dies, and she ends up living with an evil stepsister or stepmother and stepsisters who abuse her, very Cinderella-like. Um, but before the mother dies, the mother gives her beautiful young daughter. Part of the reason she's picked on is because she's very beautiful and um, graceful and special. And that's why, you know, she's a threat to the stepmother and the step, her stepsisters, especially when it comes time to marry. But before the mother dies, she gives Vasilisa a doll, a very special doll. And she tells her to take care of this doll, that this doll will protect her and guide her, and that she needs to feed the doll when the doll is hungry. And then the mom dies, and so Vasilisa keeps this doll in her pocket. I'm giving you, like, the super race through Cliff Notes, because obviously this time goes by fast. I urge you to just read the book and read the story. Clarissa Pinkola Estes gets into, like, nine. I'm flipping through the book right now. A lot of text. She she breaks. She'll take like a story that she has written on a page of an and a half, and then she'll spend like thirty pages breaking that story down and hitting it from every angle, which I found kind of annoying when I first started reading the book. I ain't gonna lie about that. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, now we're on like, and what does she call it? Like, uh, hold on. Sorry, I'm flipping through my book right now. Um, She'll hit it through different angles. Okay, the fifth task. You know, you get to, like, task nine, and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, how can this be? The story was only a paragraph long. (laughs) But the story goes on to the the stepmom, the evil stepmom, makes it so they're all out of light in their house because she just wants to get rid of Vasilisa and she sends Vasilisa into the woods to this old witch hag, Baba Yaga, and tells her she has to fetch candles or fetch some lights. So Vasilisa goes off into the forest, finds Baba Yaga, the wild hag who represents death and wisdom, the not nice part of you that will save your ass when the too nice part of you will have you skinned and laid out on the doorstep for others to wipe their feet on. So this is a very symbolic part in Vasilisa's journey is interacting with Baba Yaga who has her do all of these seemingly nonsensical tasks that she doesn't think Vasilisa will be able to rise to the challenge of, but thanks to the help of her trusty doll in her pocket, she's able to magically accomplish all of these tasks and win Baba Yaga's favor. And I won't even, I'm going to make sure you read the book if you haven't already, because I won't tell you how it all ends. But I will say that Baba Yaga is sort of a friend in disguise, this wild hag, and that the doll, the physical doll, represents Vasilisa's 
intuition. I don't believe it's a coincidence that this story, whoever wrote it way, way, way back in the day, I don't think it's a coincidence that Vasilisa was able to access access her intuition through a physical object. I believe that that was a very deliberate part of the storytelling. Witches do this all the time. We do it with our tarot cards, our pendulums, our crystals, and our runes. This doll in Vasilisa's pocket, it's a touchstone. It's a touchstone. I believe that something physical like that helps us access our intuition because it brings us into the present moment. It calls our soul back to the present so that our soul can participate in what is going on. Because sometimes I think we have these floaty, disembodied souls. Again, that like comes back to trauma, big and large. You know, we leave our bodies anytime our bodies become uncomfortable, anytime shit starts to get too real to handle, especially when you're young, which again is why it's important to, to do something to start calling this back to yourself. And it can be as simple as getting in touch with your physical reality piece by piece. It can be as simple as buying a kiddie pool and setting it up in your backyard. The reason I think that Vasilisa's birth mother, her loving mother who adored her and gave her the doll before she died. I think the reason her mom tells her to feed her doll when the doll is hungry um, is, again, it's a representation of how soul needs to be fed with the physical and by giving it attention in the present moment. So... um, I I wrote a little quote down here from the book. Um, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, she says of this, what does one feed intuition so that it is consistently nourished and responsive to our requests to scan our environs? One feeds it life. One feeds it life by listening to it. What good is a voice without an ear to to receive it? So I I really wanted to write that part down and read it to you. I wanted to focus on this because I think many people find it very difficult to discern between the voice of fear and the voice of intuition. And I think that the voice of intuition, when when you really get in touch with that, it has a very different feeling sense to it. It comes with a sense of knowing. And it's called your gut instinct, I think for a reason, because it lives in your gut, it lives in your blood, it lives in your bones, in your home, in your body, which is your home. (laughs) So the first step, to my mind, in learning how to work with your intuition is to let your body do the talking for it. Let your soul communicate to you through your body. And you can discern between the fear of the mind and physical and the physical sensations of intuition by just noticing, just pausing when you're having a thought and you're thinking, is this a fear thought or is this an intuitive thought? You can discern by saying, okay, a fear thought is going to feel repetitive. It's probably going to be paranoid. And it's going to have like, 
a strategizing nature to it. You know, like fear likes to strategize. It likes to hit all the angles. It likes to tell stories. And again, it's very, very repetitive. Versus a knowing, a knowing doesn't know. You know, you'll be like, I don't know why I know this about this person. I just do. And it often is accompanied by a physical sensation, like a physical feeling in your gut. You just have a gut feeling about someone. Again, children are awesome about this. You know, like kids know when somebody is not right. So do dogs, by the way. (laughs) Um, So, again, you know, it comes back down to – listening to the messages of your body, and you get better at this the more you work with it, which is why I think working with a tool like tarot cards, for example, is really powerful because it takes you out of your mind. It it removes your mind from the equation. So that's why I recommend, too, that when people start working with tarot cards, instead of – I love reference books. I love Kim Huggins' Complete Guide to Tarot Illuminati. It's freaking amazing. But I recommend just working with the cards alone by themselves first so you can learn how to let your intuition speak to you through the symbols that are on the cards. And that's why it's good to get um, maybe like a Rider Waite-themed deck that is very rich in symbolism instead of one of these more um, pretty, trendy, like Oracle decks or something because I believe they don't – it depends on the deck, obviously, but – Some of them are just cute. Some of them, you know, they have cool, like, power words on them and stuff like that. But if you work with something like the Rider Waite, it's going to be very rich in symbolism. And I think that's just more conducive to accessing your intuition. Something that Clarissa Pinkola Estes recommends in this chapter is working with a garden. And I'm just going to tell you what she says about that because I'm running out of time and um, I can suck up a lot of time trying to paraphrase something like this. So she says, sometimes in order to bring a woman closer to this nature, I ask her to keep a garden. Let this be a psychic one or one with mud, dirt, green, and all the things that surround and help and assail. Let let it represent the wild psyche. The garden is a concrete connection to life and death. You can even say there is a religion of garden, for it teaches profound psychological and spiritual lessons. Whatever can happen to a garden can happen to soul and psyche. Too much water to little water, infestations, heat, storm, flood, invasion, miracles, dying back, coming back, boon, healing, blossoming, bounty, beauty. She goes on it. This is a really great passage. Um, And again, I bring this back to why, for me, being a witch is so powerful, because we work with nature. We work with the seasons. We work with the wheel of the year. And in doing that year after year, it starts to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And you start to see how the seasons of nature are reflected in your own life. And um, it really brings you into the present in a powerful way. It brings you into the physical reality in a powerful way. And that is really where I'm thinking our souls are meant to be hanging out. I think our natural desire is another powerful tool of intuition. I think that intuition speaks to us through our desires, through our physical desires. And I'm not talking about I crave a cookie. I think that 
the bigger desires of our life. And that's why this day planner that I recently did a review on, Daniel Laporte's Desire Map Day Planner, it's really powerful because she has you think about this every day. What are your core desired feelings when you start your day? She has you tap into your desires, and I think that this is a great way to check in with your intuition and your soul every single day before you start your day, and then as you go throughout your day to stay tuned to what's important. It keeps you on task. It keeps you on purpose. It keeps you connected to your soul. I think she even says something about goals with soul. Yes, that is a Daniel Laporte thing. (laughs) Goals with soul. So um, when the 2016 Day Planner comes out, I highly recommend getting it. I know a lot of you bought the... um, evergreen version but i don't know that that has the astrology and i'm super super hot on the astrology in this book so keep your eyes peeled for the 2016 version and then a couple of books i want to re-mention that i've already mentioned that i think could be really helpful if you're looking to get in touch with your intuition is denise lynn's unlock the secret messages of your body that's specifically about accessing your intuition through your body And then more just about intuition is Tosha Silver's Outrageous Openness. I absolutely love that on audiobook. Um, You can get it through Audible. And then another audiobook that I think is awesome for this is Sonia Chouquette's Trust Your Vibes. So don't make it harder than it needs to be. It's very, very simple. And practice makes it even simpler and easier to be able to discern between your intuition and the voices of fear and to call your soul back to yourself and just keep reminding yourself that the gateway to the gateway to your intuition the portal to your soul is through your body so think about getting physical let's get physical and i will be back here next week talking at you same time same place if you want to explore um manifesting in a physical way the summer solstice module the cycle spiritual of the year the crafty witch project for that is called the magical manifestation box and that could be a really fun project to do this summer and you can find that at www.psychospiritualwheelofthyear.com and until we meet again much love peace